1: of what uh, we bring to the table.
0: Join the show by calling into 435-752-1069 or text 435-339-0321. It's the full court press.
1: Oh, yes! A- ends Touchdown, did he get it?
2: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric France and Jason Walker here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for coming along with us on uh, Thursday here on the show. Fourth, uh, <laughs> if I can speak. If you want to text in, the Full Court Press text line is open 435 339 0321. If you want to weigh in, love to hear from you today. Or you can call in 435 752 1069. Couple different topics on the docket today. It's been the bye week for Utah State, and setting aside all the controversy from what you know happened in the post-game comments. Just looking at the team, like as an outsider, after watching three games now for Utah State, what are the key areas of emphasis that the team should be focusing on during this time? to fine-tune those things before they start to turn their attention to UNLV. Uh, So we want to look at that. We'll do our pick six coming up a little bit later on in the show. Six things we think might happen this weekend. Uh, Jeff Hornacek is rejoining the Jazz.
3: But in what capacity? He's the new head coach. (laughs) Will Hardy has already been traded. (laughs) They traded him (laughs) for... A first-round pick and a second-round pick swap to the Sacramento Kings. As long as it was unprotected. <laughs> <laughs> the, I once saw, I think, it was a second-round pick that was protected, like, 1 through 55. Which is, you know, or maybe it was technically, like, 31 to 55, because it can't be top 30. But I was like, there's only five picks that can be. What are you even <laughs> trading? Uh. Conveys into $25,000 or something. And a hamburger.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the other thing, too, uh, week one, we really didn't get a chance to get into it because there was so many other more pressing things locally
3: to yeah. get through. Something happened on Saturday. I can't remember what. But uh, definitely want to go back
2: and, and look back at week one in the NFL as week two begins tonight uh, for the NFL. So some opening observations of the NFL. And uh, love to get yours as well. Um because as we talked about, there's some old faces in new places, uh, some some injuries to some key guys, and trying to figure out which teams are, are they going to be able to progress like they have been or who's going to be taking steps back and our, certainly our overreactions for one game.
3: Yeah, God, literally everything is an overreaction at this point, or sometimes you're deliberately underreacting. Because you're like saying, okay, there's this thing, but I can't overreact, so you end up underreacting to maybe something that's actually a big deal. Yeah, let's, so we'll, we'll see what each of us are doing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll look at that. Uh, so that's coming up on the Full Court Press, uh, as always. No, your your thoughts, your opinions, always welcome. Four three five three three nine zero three two one on the Full Court Press. Uh, but let, let's start with Utah State in a bye week. And not having a you know any game this week that they have to specifically prepare for, this is a week where they can, one, get healthy. And well, for those who can, I mean, Kyle van Leeuwen is out for the year. But for those who had you know, gotten dinged up against Alabama or against Weaver State, uh, this is an opportunity for them to get, take a little bit extra time to heal and get, get healthy. Get some guys back who we haven't quite seen much of yet: John Gentry, Brock Lane, a couple notables. Lane uh, did
3: play last week, though. He did play. He, he got he, in the f- on the field. He played a few snaps. I think he had a target. I think he was actually the one who was targeted on Bonner's pick six. Yeah, I think that, you're right. that's who he was throwing to. So this is a <laughs> this is a team that needs to
2: fix and address a lot of things. When, when you lose at home like they did to an FCS program and you go two full games without scoring an offensive touchdown, there are a lot of things you have to try to figure out. So what are some of the key things in your mind that need to be addressed for Utah State to help them get back on track? we got UNLV coming to town next Saturday, 5 o'clock on Merlin Olsen Field. But what are the main issues that stand out in your mind that should be areas of focus for Utah State during this bye? four three five three three nine zero three two one. And
3: I think that we've kind of touched on some of those already in my mind. <laughs> we've touched on everything that's wrong. <laughs> but I think at this point, what me and you want to talk about is like what if there's one thing You know on this giant list of things we want to see fixed, what do you feel like can help the most immediately? Um so obviously for you guys, go ahead and send that in. We did get one um from five eight seven nine uh, he says, drop passes, blown routes, and assignments. Yes, Bonner was throwing high, but he just needs adjusting to not having Devin Tompkins to jump up and catch the ball for him. That's, I guess, one of his suge- early suggestions. Uh, and also, uh, E-Texan um, it seems to have not heard the Cal Van Leeuwen news, and that is that Van Leeuwen is out for the season. Yeah, her his knee. Yeah, that He's came out, out yesterday. He posted on his Instagram that he was going to be out for the year, so that's where – we heard the news from because obviously you don't get injury re- updates from officially injure, injury reports from the team unless like the coach mentions it or something.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think that um, 5879 is on to something that, that you and I have talked about. And you started pointing this out earlier in the week that Bonner's receiving a lot of criticism, or he was especially during that game Saturday. But a lot of that that criticism needs to be directed to the wide receiver core for a couple of reasons. One is drop passes. There's been a few of those. But the other is that they're not not creating separation. And we saw this on Saturday multiple times where we saw throws on third and long that were not first down throws. Whether they were caught or not, there was like, in some cases, three, four, sometimes five yards between where the cat where the receiver was and where the first down line was, and so was that throw being made because that's just where the wide receiver is open, or was the play call not giving them a chance to, or or, or thinking that they that once the wide receiver would catch the ball, he could make something happen and, and fight for yards, but in every instance, there was no way based on the defense and where the pressures were and the coverages were, that even if that ball had been caught, it wasn't going for a first down.
3: Yeah, Bonner's first interception, he was throwing a pass, um, ended up going off the hands, and it was actually higher than I initially thought. At first I thought Cobbs just straight up let it go through his hands. It turns out it was a bit high, I kind of hit him in the fingertips instead, tipped the pass, uh, went into the hands of the defender. So bad pass, and... Uh, also, just an unfortunate tip by Cobbs there. But I watched that play several times for one particular view, and I thought, you know, and, and you mentioned you're know, not throwing the sticks. The reason I'm bringing this up is because Cobbs was about two yards short of the sticks when he caught it, ended up being wrapped up right away. I mean, it was a pick anyway, but, you know, he would have been wrapped up, would have been short of the of the first down marker. Well, Justin McGriff was running a deep route, and it looked like you know, there was safety help, but if you throw that pass, he probably wouldn't be able to go up to get it. And he turned around waiting for the pass right as Bonner kind of threw it. And I wondered, was Bonner just checking down because he wasn't confident enough to kind of sit down and then throw the pass to McGriff? You know, he had the time. He could have set his feet, you know, harlot long, trust your six foot six receiver to come up with the ball over the safety. And he didn't do that. And, you know, and we, we've kind of talked about this a little bit where I don't think Bonner's on the same page as his receiver's. I just don't feel like the passing game is crisp in terms of you know his confidence with his receivers, the routes they're running, and their communication on those routes. So, and that's one area. Again, I'll I'll talk about the areas I, I feel like are the biggest. I guess for me, just I started out by having my you know number one improvement I wanted to see be you know wide receivers getting open, but there's a lot to that, and I feel it's just like. You know, there's too much to that. Just fix it immediately. I wanted to have maybe more realistic early goal. And so kind of basically what I wanted to see was a more effective pass rush. Mm. It's weird that for as much as I've talked about the offense having problems, my number one improvement is on the defensive side. But I feel like having some more negative plays, you know, getting sacks. They did that last year. They got sacks. And I've said this over and over again um, sometimes it's talking to people some i think a couple times on the radio show where Utah state last year and also bleeding into this year are a team that's pretty good at running at the quarterback but they're one of the worst at bringing him down because so many times they'll get some pressure and the quarterback escapes they don't finish their sacks and so i want to see them do that against UNLV get in there get a sack get a negative play put them behind the sticks or put them behind the, you know, the chains or finish a third down play. Don't even let him throw the ball. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I like that. I think that's uh,
2: th- that has been an issue where they they show pressure. they're able to, to get upfield. Um, but they're not able to actually bring him down. Now they, they did have three tackles for loss at Alabama. They had, by my count, eight, though the official record only says seven, against Weber State, but um, it's, you know, that's great, and those are, the, the, you look at some of those numbers from the Weber State game, eight tackles for loss and three takeaways, okay, Utah State looks like they're doing pretty well in this game. But then you look at the score, it tells a totally different story. Uh, they, they partly because that defense was on the field so much. So, for me, I think you. My biggest key is in improving that passing game with the wide receivers, extending drives, uh, it, keeping the offense on the field is just going to make that defense better because they're they were gassed, you know they gave up an 18-play what nine and a half minute drive. Now, still they should they should be in a position as a team with their recruiting and transfers that they should, that shouldn't happen against a school like Weber State. So there are issues on defense as well, as you've talked about. But the offense is not doing them any favors. When they're three and out, an offensive drive that lasts less than a minute, and then you're ask, asking the defense to go back out there again, that's tough for any defense to try to hold their own.
3: Well, I think one thing, turning back to the offense, like you were talking about as far as getting – the passing game going getting sustained drives one thing that kind of made me think of is last year the thing that really drove this offense was chunk plays they actually didn't sustain a whole lot of long drives very well mm. they weren't really the type to have 12 play seven minute drives they had four or five plays or you know maybe you know five to eight plays but one of them was like a 40 big, 50 yard play explosive you know yeah. something from bowling or Tompkins or whatnot even a big run every now and again. They don't have any of those. I think their longest play on the season is like 25 yards. They have like a 25-yard catch or something like that, a couple of 20-yard runs, maybe just one 20-yard run. Uh, Taller had one of those, I think 23 yards at the beginning, or 20 yards, I think, at the beginning of the Weber State game. You had the 23-yard pass at the beginning of Alabama, and then I think they had something against UConn. But like nothing over 30, 35, or 40 yards, which they were routinely getting, largely in the passing game last year. So, they need to find a way to create those plays because they have struggled at times, you know, under Blake Anderson to have sustained drives. But the but I mean, and a lot of teams are kind of like this where their touchdown drives tend to have a big play in them. That's just kind of how football works. But Utah State needs to have those big plays, chunk plays, 10-yard runs, 20-yard passes consistently. Or at least a you know four or five times in the game. I think they averaged like six or seven last year. I did the math last year. I can't remember where I where I wrote it down, but it was a lot last year. But well, so far they've only had like,
2: well, so an explosive play is any play for twenty yards or more on offense. Yeah. Against Alabama, they had one. Against Weber State, they had one. And you now you. you, you We know how the offense performed as a whole, never finding the end zone in either game. The offense just, you know, last year's offense was uh, really predicated on big explosive plays. They had guys who could take the top off of defense. Yeah. And are they not there this year? Are they not creating separation? Are they not physical enough at the line?
3: It may be all of the above. The thing is, these big plays would sometimes come from Brandon Bowling and Derek Wright. It wasn't just Tompkins. I mean, he was the most prolific at it. They maybe there's kind of a knock on effect where Bowling and Wright are open because of Tompkins. That could be another thing Utah State's missing is not just the fact of you know, you're missing a 1,700 yard receiver, it's the, you know, how he opens up the rest of the field. That could be something because I don't think that Brian Cobbs is that much worse than a Derek Wright or that Cal Van Leeuwen was that much worse than a Brandon Bowling, although their drops maybe have lowered my opinion of both Cobbs and Van Leeuwen. Um, but they're just not able to get open because maybe there isn't a superstar receiver and the scheme isn't helping them because so many times, one thing I'm noticing in the passing game is that, you know, you, you, you talked about, I think, a couple of days ago how they, like, split the field in half. So many plays, there's, like, one option. And that's it. Like, and the receivers on the backside, they half-heart a route. Right. They know it's not coming their direction and so they don't sell it. And so I'm wondering, like, can we have play calls, like, we don't want to make it too complicated, but again, seventh year quarterback can't, like, move his eyes the other side of the field? Like, is it a lack of confidence in the offensive line? Like, they've not given up sacks, but is that a factor of just him
2: always releasing the ball really quickly? Right. I mean, there's things that the quarterback can do to deceive the safety, send the safety in one direction, though he knows he's going to be throwing it the other. But, yeah, it just there's some things with. As you pointed out, a seventh-year quarterback that we're seeing that are—it's not just receivers. I think there's a combination of a lot of different things here for Utah State. But, yeah, I, I just. <laughs> but for me, if if the passing options are better and are more open and available, I think that starts to open up and trickle down on a lot of other things. I know your your emphasis is more on the pass rush, getting opponents off the field. But what about you? I would love to get your thoughts too. 435-339-0321. A couple of texts coming through. 5879. I do feel like you guys are on to something. We need to target Justin McGriff more because he is our senior guy for the receivers. He is uh, the most experienced in the program, at least at this at the level that he's... He's playing, he has made progression every year, but I don't, you know, I'm going to say this with the leadership. I don't think you just necessarily, because he's a senior, throw to him more. I think you throw to whoever's going to help you make the best play. And so maybe that's something that's going to need to be discovered now, especially with Van Leeuwen out. Is it going to be Nana Davis? Is it going to be Terrell Vaughn? You know, who else is going to be that guy that, that steps up because now there's a new opportunity, um, and how well do they do taking advantage of a new place uh, for them to try to shine and, and, and get more time on the field?
3: Yeah, I think Vaughn, there's a potential that he can maybe find ways to get open um, with some of his speed. Um, and maybe he can be physical. McGriff, my problem, and I've already said this multiple times, is he's just not dominant enough for how big he is. He needs to dominate his corner. He needs to you throw the ball to a spot, he's the one who's going to get it. He's done that a couple of times. Uh, he had the touchdown against UConn. Mm-hmm. Exactly what you want from him. He had a catch against Weber that was kind of what you wanted. He threw it right in front of McGriff. He used his long arms. You know he needed all that to because the corner was playing really tight. And honestly, was committing pass interference slash defensive holding on the play. But he used his entire catch radius to reel in a ball that was you know deliberately deliberately thrown. Maybe at least I hope it was deliberately thrown. Slightly more in front of McGriff than normal, which allowed him to be the only guy who could catch it. You know, it's utilizing McGriff in that way, and it was the same on the touchdown against UConn. It was way high up there, but he could get it because he's six foot six. It's on the top of his catch radius. You target those areas, and you trust him to make somewhat more difficult catches. Beat, you know, beat the corner with your length and physicality. That's the you know what we want to see, Adam McGriff. We've seen it a couple of times, but just not enough. I railed at him for not get going and getting a ball downfield where he faced a guy forty pounds lighter and seven inches shorter. I want to see like just throw it at him and have him come down and get it. Right. He he should and this is not just for him, but the wide receivers should
2: own that piece of turf, you know, wherever they're on the field. Um you know, McGriff has probably the the biggest opportunity there because of his size. Um but uh there are others who need to be more more physical and more um of the mindset like this is this is my turf. That's my ball. Get out of my way. It's mine.
3: <laughs> yeah. and, and assert themselves a little bit more. Yeah, and Devin Tompkins did that. Little five foot seven buck sixty five Devin Tompkins went up there and said, This is my ball. I don't care who you are. And, you know, he would consistently go up there and get it. You could throw it to a spot, you know, he'd have his corner on the ropes, and he'd be able to catch it you know, if you threw it behind him. Tompkins could stop, and he'd come around, turn around, and get the ball. And we need to see those kind of things out of McGriff and Cops. Right now, they just run hitch routes. That's what they're doing most of the time is they'll run a hitch route, and that's usually they can, you know, get something going, although teams are catching on to that. They're buying the fact that Utah State's not running deep routes. They're able to... Just sell on the hitch routes. That they run constantly. You know, Utah State's not properly taking advantage of the middle of the field, and they're not properly taking advantage of deep down the field. They're predictable in the pass game. Yeah, uh, the we saw Weber State use that slant route all the time. Yeah, and the, multiple occasions. Yeah, like in they they're, they're attacking ta- never space saw this, Yeah, they're attacking space with the slant routes. You know, with the way Utah State was playing on defense, all right, run the slant because there's a ton of space. Utah State needs to attack space. They need to attack where the defense is weak. And right now, they're just not doing that. A couple
2: more texts coming through. We'll get to those in just a moment. I'd love to continue to hear from you. 435-339-0321 on our full court press text line. Uh, Before we take a break, just want to let you know, getting some word that um, uh, that, uh, police and paramedics are responding to uh, an accident at 10th West 200 North in Logan. That's just not far from us here. Uh, And uh, minor injuries are being reported. Traffic's going to be slowed in that intersection. It's going to be a really busy one this time of day out on the west side of Logan at the 10th West 200 North. Uh, Crews are on the scene trying to work on clearing the accident. But, uh, again, there is an accident there that could be slowing down traffic. If you can use an alternate route and avoid that intersection, that would be advised for the next little while. All right, uh, time quick timeout here on the full court press, and when we come back, continue to get um, some of our thoughts about areas of focus for Utah State. What what key areas? I, I don't mean this to be a whole laundry list of what's wrong with Utah State, because that, that's I don't want to do that. But I do want to focus on: it, Are there a key, a few key areas where Utah State should be focusing on, and if those areas did improve, could create a cascading effect for this team to get back on track and having more success. Um, What are your thoughts on that? What key areas have you noticed that need to be better for Utah State? 435-339-0321.
4: Who do you turn to if you want to change out your wood or pellet stove? Advanced Fireplace and Stove. They were voted the gold medalist for Best of Northern Utah for the second year in a row in the fireplace retrofit category. Be ready when the government's next wood and pellet replacement incentives pop up. Advanced Fireplace can help you navigate the paperwork. For more information, call Advanced Fireplace and Stove, 752-7272. Online, advancedfireplaceandstove.com.
2: Can't beat falling Utah, it's one of the best times to get out and explore the open roads of Utah. Get out and drive in a new Murdoch Volkswagen and get up to 3.65% APR for five years on Volkswagen's top lineup, a 2022 Jetta, Atlas, or Tiguan. When you walk through our doors, you feel like family. At Murdoch Volkswagen and Logan, or online at murdochvw.com.
4: Call 866-628-3065, receive dealer for complete details. Offer expires 10-1-22.
2: S.C. Needham Jewelers is where Utah gets engaged. Couples throughout the state buy their rings from S.C. Needham Jewelers because of our low prices, extensive ring selection, and extraordinary benefits and services with financing available. Go to scneedham.com to learn more. We have many unique and beautiful engagement rings starting at $500. You'll
4: find affordable engagement rings with our integrity price guarantee. This is why we are where Utah gets engaged. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 7. S.C. Needham Jewelers, middle of the block. At the sign of the clock. Join Three Peaks Medical Plaza at 2245 North, 400 East and North Logan for their grand opening this Saturday from noon to 4. Bounce houses, drinks, food, and a chance to win amazing prizes. 13 different medical specialties in one state-of-the-art building. Cache Valley Imaging, offering a full suite of affordable imaging services. The Cache Valley Pharmacy, a full-service pharmacy with drive-thru and free delivery in the Valley. Go to threepeaksplaza.com for details and links to all medical specialties. Specialties.
0: You're first and goal at the 10 yard line with seconds left on the clock. Your running back is poised for the game winning touchdown, but before you can make the snap, the opposing team just takes the ball and locks it in a safe? And they won't give you the combination unless you pay them $10,000. That's exactly how ransomware works. And in 2021, two out of every three organizations fell victim to ransomware attacks.
4: Protect your business with Les Olson Security Suite from Les Olson IT. Learn more at lessolson.com. I'm Matt Neverett. On the Week 3 edition of This Week in the Mountain West, we highlight the weekly Player of the Week awards and recap Week 2 of non-conference play around the Mountain West Conference. Air Force head coach Troy Calhoun also stops by to break down Friday night's Week 3 conference matchup against the Cowboys of Wyoming. And Boise State play-by-play man Bob Beeler checks in on the Broncos before their final out-of-conference game on the season coming up. It's all this week here on the Mountain West Radio Network. Friday afternoon during the full-court press on Sports Talk Radio 1069 FM, 1390 AM, the fan
0: the full court press on sports talk radio 106.9 fm 1390 a.m the fan
2: vaveline instant oil change is open every day of the week so if you got stressful things going on on other days that you had planned it's okay they'll still be there but don't uh don't stress don't forget about your car Valvoline Instant Oil Change is right across from Angie's at 695 North Main and Logan. They'll get you in and out quickly. Quick, clean, easy, how it should be when it comes to getting your oil change. So, uh, Utah State football with a bye week this week and uh, opportunity for this team to work on a number of things to try to improve themselves before they have their conference opener next week against UNLV. And we heard uh, you know, some of the things after after the game their team goals are still in front of them but um, you know, certainly have to get better quickly, not a lot of ramp up to, uh, to work on some things, to, to fine tune some things I should say so what are some of the key areas uh, on your mind that this team should be focusing on during its bye week before they start to turn their attention to UNLV 435 0321 to join in on the full court press. 5452 texting in. Uh, not going to be picky with what improvements I would like to see. Playing against UNLV like they actually care would be a great start. And then McGriff did a lot of smack talking to Weber despite him not really being a factor. I would like to see him be dominant like you are talking about before he runs his mouth.
3: A lot yeah. of guys are talking a lot of smack for a lack of performance, but McGriff certainly one of them.
2: Yeah, he's definitely one of the big talkers on the team. But uh, I, I'm more of one that if you've, if you can look to the scoreboard, and just point the scoreboard, that that's all you should have to talk about. Otherwise, you're not doing your job yet. So what, what is there to talk about?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm not much one for smack talk. I guess it takes a certain attitude and you know, it's not necessarily a bad part of anyone's personality. It doesn't make you a bad person if you do a lot of smack talk. It does confuse me a lot of times, especially when you see corners, you know, the, it's kind of the joke where, you know, corner gets beat by 5 yards, wide receiver drops the pass and the corner's like, "Oh, incomplete." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like, excuse me? <laughs> You, you had nothing to do with that, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> your shoes are back there after you broke your ankles <laughs> to be that far ahead of you. But, you know, guys need to be performing to back up the smack talk. And As long as you're doing that, I'm not really caring, you know, what talk you're smacking. I just need you performing. That's what we care about.
4: because
3: Because, yes. like, like, I was really excited by this defense, you know, the energy, you know, they do a lot of chirping and they're really excited and energetic and I was like, "Oh, this could be awesome. It's going to be fun." Because I thought they were going to perform and be really fun and energetic and celebrate a lot and, you know, do, you know, chest bumps and celebrate and turnovers and whatnot. I thought that was going to be super fun because it wasn't just going to perform, but they they, you know, they have that personality to them. But they have the personality but no performance. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's not as fun. It ends up looking I don't know if hypocritical is the right word, but just...
1: Just bad. False. Yeah, it's not there yet. Uh,
2: 5338 texting in. Uh, I've heard some contradicting language coming out of the football program since the Weber State game. First, I thought I heard Coach Anderson or one of the players say that the week of practice leading up to that game was not a good one. Yet, John Hartthrob said in a pregame interview that it was a good week of practice. Second... Have I heard Blake Anderson say that they are looking for players to step into leadership roles on the team? After the game, I heard Logan Bonner say that
3: leadership on the team right now is good. Well, Terrell Vaughn also said that this was a great offense. So there's a lot of stuff that they're saying that they can't back up. And contradictory about good practice or bad practice week, you know, that can be a bit subjective. Um I tried to ask. Hunter Reynolds after the game, like if he felt like they'd had a good week of practice and he kind of just ended up talking about something else. Um, so I don't know if I remember anybody saying good or bad week of practice. Granted, they've had a lot of interviews this week, so I haven't heard everything that's been said. Well, not a lot of interviews. Yeah, they've well, been more than just the post-game quiet, presser. But, but yeah, and, and
2: Coach Anderson did say uh, after the game in the post-game press conference that it was, it was not a good week. Um, he was upset he was and he did say we're looking for leaders and 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 I've said that is the most telling thing that I heard him say after the game not his comments about the fans but or how he got out coached or how he got outplayed but that this deep into this year's season he's still looking for leaders and well, I don't know about Bonner, what he said, if there's good leadership on the team right now. I didn't,
3: I, I believe he did say that. I, I'm pretty but, sure I saw him.
2: Where, if that's true, why, why did Saturday happen the way that it happened? Yeah. If I, that's true, if there was a good week of practice, why did Saturday
3: happen the way that it happened? I think Bonner just kind of defaulted to saying coach-speak things. It's kind of like what Vaughn said when I asked him how good the offense is. He defaulted to saying, you know, oh, it's a great offense. You know they were they didn't have a good answer, so they hit they hit the default button, you know 'cause it hard questions are hard to answer,
2: All right, and, and I get it. you want to project confidence and trust in your guys. You don't want to be the guy that throws your team under the bus and says, "Oh man, yeah man we 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 stunk we had a we had a terrible practice, and guys are like i I practiced hard, <laughs> but the proof is in what happened scoreboard. Uh, you know what do they do on offense what do they give up on defense the proof is there so say what you want but the proof is in what happened on Saturday night on Merlin Olson field
3: yeah and leadership sometimes is being honest you know you don't want to you know you don't necessarily want to be the guy that's throwing the team under the bus but if you're a leader guess what that's your job it sucks and leader will take some flack for that if he walks back into practice and says yeah I told the media that we sucked And teammates may not like you for that, but you earn the respect in a lot of other ways by leading from the front and by also taking ownership for yourself. You know, Hunter Reynolds, he took ownership for, you know, saying that he felt like he should be a leader and he should be better. That's one way that, you know, you earn the respect. You don't just throw the team under your bus. You're down there with them. And then you back it up in practice and on the field. So, yeah, the teammates may not like you for something you said that's bad about the team, but you earn that respect and, you know, likability back. In other ways, because leaders, they have to take the slings and arrows. Right, and and if you're just going to deflect
2: the frustration or the the lack of whatever it is that's going on up there and just direct that to fans instead of working out your own issues, to some degree that might help galvanize and bring people together, but it could come at a cost. And so you have to be careful about that. Um, I mean, the bottom line is figuring yourself out, figuring out what you're doing as a team, as a unit, as a as a as a whatever your position group is. But um if that's going to continue to be us against the world including our own fans, if it's internal, fine. Whatever. But if there continues to be an external us against the world including our own fans, it could be detrimental more than what's already taken place.
3: Yeah, and that's what I worry about is because, you know, it you can tell just by some things that were said and, and things that came out on social media and whatnot that it bothered the locker room. It got to them bad. Bad. And they may still be bothered by it. Hopefully they've gotten over it by now, but if they spend this whole week stewing about that, that's not good because they didn't need to be spending this week t- thinking about other things.
2: They need to be stewing about how they played on the field, not what was said in the stands.
3: Yeah, that's what I'm worried about is instead of Monday and Tuesday being the days of self-reflection, they were the days of still muttering about how the fans were booing and how a couple of jack wagons were leaning over the bars and yelling at the players. If that's what you're focused on and you know talking smack with you and your teammates about how bad the fans were, if that's what's going on in the locker room, I don't. I can't imagine too many worse scenarios for this week than to have that still happening. Right. It's not addressing the
2: core of the issue.
3: Yeah. Because obviously there's something wrong with the fans booing, and there, there's things that, you know, I guess it, it, there's things wrong with the team. There's things wrong with individual fans, screaming things at individual players. That's crossing a line. But you guys need to shrug that off. Understand fans are going to be idiots sometimes, and sometimes fans are going to show their displeasure at how you play. But you need to shrug that off. This is the dark side. You know, you get all the adoration. We loved this team. We heaped praises upon everyone who spent the whole offseason saying how wonderful they are and you know how spectacular it is that you've brought Utah State back from the brink of 2020. You got all that praise heaped on you. Well, guess what? This is a spectator sport. And if you don't perform, you're going to get all the negativity thrown on you. And you got to understand there's two sides of that coin. And you need to figure out how to flip that coin, get back to the positive side.
2: Uh totally agree. Uh five eight seven nine texting in. Uh we also need the Merlin Olsen Unis back. <laughs> uh yeah. well when they go on the road. They didn't play super well in those to begin with, so Yeah. Uh but yeah, I mean it helped them in their in their
3: home opener. Anything <laughs> but to get anything, like, if they can just get a win, cause that's right against UConn. Anything to get a win. Didn't matter if they were playing a bad UConn team, they got a win. So I guess whatever works, so whatever you do, do not wear the blackout uh, shirts. All options should be on the table. All right, what things, what areas of
2: focus should uh, be top of the list for Utah State in this bye week? Uh, Not just because of what happened on Saturday, but what you've observed over the first three games for Utah State football. Uh, uh, They've got a little extra time this week to work on those things. What would be top on your list? 435-339-0321. We'll also get into the NFL opening week in the books. Week two getting underway officially tonight uh, with Thursday night football. So we'll take a look at that. And a little bit later on in the show, our pick six, the six things we think might happen This upcoming weekend, always invite you to play along. Shout out your radio, how you would pick based on uh, what we throw out there. So that's coming up next on the Full Court Press.
1: This year's Grand Latino Festival is Saturday, September 17th on Center Street in Logan. All are invited to celebrate the Latin culture with delicious food, lively music, dancing in the streets, and cultural performances. Festivities get underway at 4 p.m. with a parade of flags and authentic Latin dress. Then, work off the calories to everyone's favorite dance-based workout, Zumba. This year's Latino Festival is presented by Gosner Foods, where you can earn between $15 and $20 an hour, quarterly bonuses, and free health insurance. Members First Credit Union, our name says it all. Thermo Fisher Scientific, Thermo Fisher is hiring. Join their team today. iFit, a global company committed to diversity and inclusion, welcomes everyone to the Latino Festival. Bring your family, your friends, and especially your appetite to the Grand Latino Festival, Saturday, September 17th, starting at 4 p.m. on Logan Center Street.
3: Are you a small business owner? Who's your bank? This is Bruce Rigby. I want to invite you to bank with us at Cash Valley Bank. We specialize in helping small business and we have great people. That's the Cash Valley Bank difference. Decisions made locally without all the red tape by people who care and know how to help small business. Cash Valley Bank growing, expanding, and proud to have our roots firmly planted in Cash Valley. Cash Valley Bank,
0: member FDIC. This is Nate Lamson with Valley Office Systems, your home team when local matters. Valley Office Systems is your local provider for all things office, copiers, printers, furniture, and document management. Proudly serving Cash Valley since 2007. Visit valleyofficesystems.com. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
2: Come celebrate Latino culture at the Latino Festival coming up this Saturday. It's going to be on Logan's Center Street starting at 4 o'clock with a parade. There'll be cultural performances, dancing in the street, lots of food trucks, live music, and a whole lot more. The Latino Festival is taking place Saturday starting at 4 o'clock until about 10 from what I understand. It's going to be a party on Center Street in Logan, so come check it out. Uh, Will there be a party for Utah State next week? Big question. Uh, And that's what we're trying to figure out. If they could figure out these few key areas, it could make a big difference. But what are those key areas? I've talked about creating more separation in the passing game for the wide receivers, running better routes, being more physical. Uh, We saw in in the Weber State game multiple times when they needed to make a, a first down throw or when a first down, well... A third and long, an attempt for a third down conversion was, was made. That pass was well behind where the sticks were, and it didn't have really opportunity to create a first down. Was that on the, the quarterback or the, the play call, or is that on the wide receiver for not running a deeper route and uh, getting in a better position for the conversion? Uh, what was Utah State 0 for 20 on third downs before they finally got one?
3: They were uh, 0, for 12, 0 for 10 or 0 for 12, I think. I, I think it was like 0 for 20. They they were like two of 12 or two of 13 by the end of the game. Like they got two first downs on two third down conversions on their last drive, and it was 0 for something in the low double digits. It was yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. And and that is something you know the the throwing in front of the sticks on third down, the running on third and nine. You know that's when the first boobs when the boo birds came out. Yeah, it was on like a third and nine rush or a third and eleven rush or something like that. Right up the middle because. They're seeing it, and you know that that's another thing with the run game. Of course, the passing game will set up the run. You pass to set up the run. I know people talk about it backwards, but in the NFL, I know they, they talk about passing to set up the run instead of running to set up the pass. So there's issues in the run game, and I'm working on a breakdown that may end up making its way to cash fairly daily. We'll see. Time constraints may uh, uh, keep that from happening. I'm busy <laughs> <laughs> but there's some things I'm seeing where some of their basic run blocking schemes are just fundamentally not working not so much that they're flawed schemes they're based off of you know what some NFL teams do but they're just not able to pull them off consistently enough um, why that is is up for speculation talent on the offensive line athleticism um, th- you know there are a number of reasons why the run game isn't working but they're just not able to pull off their run blocking the way they want it to work.
2: No. Yeah, it's, there's been a, a definite strong commitment to uh, working on the run game, even though we haven't oh, – UConn, we saw the run game work. Now They picked up a ton of yards in the running game. So it's not to say that this running game, this running uh, attack from Utah State hasn't worked this year. Because it was the focus in week one. Well, okay, week zero. Game one. It was also the focus in week one. Uh, but it was also the focus in week one and in week two <laughs> to much limited success. Very limited success. So th- th- there's still a commitment in this, pr- in this uh, uh, game plan to establish the run for Utah State. But... Absent a working passing game, uh, it, it's in a, in a running game that's going nowhere. It's stalling out, and you're not getting third down conversions. You're not su- sustaining drives.
3: Yeah, and and you know, talking about commitment to the run, they were doing this last year. I mean, against BYU, they ran the ball 35 times for 22 yards. They refused to give up the run. At all, like they were going to run the ball, you know. Down, you know, <laughs> they were down two touchdowns most of that game. You know, if you're down two touchdowns, all right, first and ten, run the ball. Okay, maybe start slinging it a little bit, especially when it's all right. We ran the ball, we didn't gain a yard. They averaged less than a yard per carry in that game. You know, it, at some point you got to throw in the towel. You know, maybe adjust throw, the game plan. Yeah, throw in a cheeky run every now and again to keep them honest. But find new ways to adjust. That's one thing they struggled with last year. Is if the run game wasn't working, they refused to give it up or find adjustments to, you know, because you can't go one dimensional. Because that's like almost a death sentence for your offense. True. So I understand not wanting to completely give up the run, but desperate times call for desperate measures, and you you got to be able to adjust. And it felt like they didn't do that a lot last year. Luckily. Games where the run was just completely not working were a little few and far between. But they happened, and we saw this team not be able to figure things out mid-game. And it's happening this year, too. They're not able to figure things out mid-game. They're not adjusting properly. The one time we've seen them kind of adjust is with their defense against UConn, where they got gashed early, they figured it out, and pretty much stopped them the remaining you know two and a half quarters. Yeah, yes, they did. And then in the past game, they just kind of turned it up and actually threw the ball a few times. They threw the ball like three times in the first quarter against UConn. Ended up throwing twenty nine times, and they were successful when they did it. But now we're just we're not seeing adjustments. We're seeing them play conservative. Some of that may be on Bonner's decision making. I mean, I'm looking at charting like how far he's throwing the ball, and he's being conservative. He's got his favorite spots. But his favorite spots don't make for good offensive drives. They're just short passes to the left or right. And they don't get you first downs. You know, he's throwing them on third down. Like you said, really
2: asking a lot of yards after the catch.
3: Yeah. And this team isn't built for yards after the catch. Right. Cobbs and McGriff are not yards after the catch guys. Van Luen, you know, slow receiver can be that. Vaughn, he's probably your best yards after catch guy. Nine eye Davis could be that. Running backs, when you do throw to them, that's kind of just who they are. It's just you're making them run the ball, but they have to catch it first. Right. You know, the way Utah State runs their passing game through the running backs. So they're just throwing these short passes, but they're not getting chunk plays, and it's just they're playing too conservative in the passing game. And they're being conservative in the run game, too, by running it so much. Uh, And this goes to point nine three one five it's making on our text line.
2: They need to work on different play calls on offense. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's, there were a few times where we saw some creativity on a play call here or there, but when it's not working, I, I think you have to try to continue to expand the playbook and, and options that are out there rather than the occasional reverse play or double pass. Well,
3: there was one play that I saw, and if you remember, this showed up in the UConn game. Levi Williams was in a quarterback. They do basically a they do a fake handoff. They motion the running back uh to the quarterback, he fakes the handoff, you know, and they have a play where obviously he just runs. But they had the one where he faked it and then he threw to the tight end who was in the flat, wide open as can be. He overthrew him. Yeah, great play call. Yeah. That's a thing that you'd run it slightly differently because the thing is, the tight end a lot of times in their run blocking, he'll come across the formation and be a lead blocker. They pull a guard, they try and get the defensive end, tight end runs up, basically playing like a fullback. He's almost lining up like a fullback. But they should try running that play where instead of the tight end running up the field to be a lead blocker, run him out as a a receiver. Because they're not checking him as a receiver right now. And basically you run a play-action pass, have him wide open in the flat as a tight end, throw it to him, Get some cheap yards. It's not like a huge yardage play. But at but, least it keeps the chains moving. Yeah. On a third and three or second and one, even a fourth down play. They tried it on fourth down. It worked, save for a bit of execution. And if you have Bonner doing it, again, the formation changes slightly and whatnot, but it's a play that I've seen, and I don't think I've seen it again. Not in any form. They have thrown to the tight end in a couple other capacities, but... Very limited, but that's a play I think could really work for you know using the tight end. It's that kind of safety valve, cheap, short yards. It's a big target, and hopefully you won't miss. And so that's one way they can be creative. Shake it up. Come up with some counters to your biggest tendencies. That's what they need to do. You know, we talk about running hitches so much. Hitch and go. That's a standard counter to running hitches so much. Right, and that's what uh, you know. these bye weeks
2: should be about, self-reflecting, self-scouting. What are our tendencies on film so that we know what teams are looking for and expecting of us? So now how do we shift it, mix, mix it up a little bit, and catch them where they think we're going to do one thing, but now we can do something else?
3: Yeah, and something that Blake Anderson talked about, he mentioned it in one of the interviews I think we did with him, where he talked, or maybe it was in media, he talked about how people may not have been ready for their offense last year, and so they caught people off guard. Well, this is one of the biggest things when you talk about people who catch, you know, a league or a conference off guard. You see in the NFL, you get, you know, the Lamar Jackson's, Colin Kaepernick did it. You know, guys who just come in and surprise everyone with just how good they are, they're unique, they're it's just they haven't seen it before and they have no time to catch up. Well, then they start figuring you out. You know, Sean McVay's initial offense with Jared Goff, big year go to the Super Bowl. Then Bill Belichick figured them out for the Super Bowl. After that, the offense fell to pieces because people had a game plan against that Rams offense. People began figuring out Colin Kaepernick. They've started to figure out Lamar Jackson a little bit. He's not done nearly as well. Bit of health issues. But go down the list. There are guys who haven't been able to adjust. Once they figure you out, then you can't just rely on that uniqueness because once they get film on you, once they figure out what works, you have to keep adjusting. Yeah, so Utah State and Yeah, and so Utah State, maybe they're not maybe the offense isn't adjusting properly, but you know, that's something they'll need to work on. All right, more of your texts coming through. We'll get to those coming up on the other side of this
2: timeout. You're in the full court press. 1069 FM 1390 AM, the fan. But before we uh, take a timeout, before we come back, I should say, uh, Napa Gold filter sale ends today. So you still have time to make it to five different Napa auto parts stores between Preston and Providence. To not only stock up on their gold filter sale that are on sale, but also uh, oil is uh, on discount. Seafoam motor tune-up. They got uh, quantities are limited, so some of these items will sell out fast. Go check it out. Napa Auto Sports and Napa Auto Parts. Get up and go between Preston and Providence.
4: Hi, this is Tyler. Recently my father passed away and White Pine provided the funeral services for our family. They were friendly, thoughtful, and attentive to every detail. You know, it isn't often that a loved one passes away, so it was very important to my family that everything be handled just right. Because my dad was loved by so many people, we had a lot of family and friends that traveled from out of town. I really appreciate how White Pine Funeral Services made sure everyone was comfortable and that the focus was where it needed to be, on my dad and my family. They really took care of us during this tender time.
0: What's more important than sleep? Granted, some things are, but not many. This is Ryan at My Mattress, and here we offer the best solution to better sleep, a better mattress. IntelliBed, the gel mattress, cradles your hips and shoulders while providing the best back support possible. Or come in and choose a Tempur-Pedic that boasts 93% of their owners love their bed. My Mattress, offering the best sleep possible by the South Walmart.
2: Don't get caught without power after a windstorm or a major winter freeze. Golden Spike Electric offers Generac backup generators so you can be prepared and keep your home warm while avoiding frozen pipes. Golden Spike Electric is one of the largest Generac
4: dealers around, so you know it'll be installed right. Whether you're a homeowner or an electrician, contact Golden Spike Electric to rest easy the next time the power goes out. Online at
2: gsegenerators.com or call 435-257-3016. They also
3: service other models.
0: Following the local teams, it's the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and Jason Walker. 106.9
2: FM, 1390 AM. The Fan, Full Court Press text line has been good today. As we've been talking about areas of focus for the Utah State football team during their bye week, uh, 2417. A couple of texts how about finding the leadership that Anderson said we are lacking
3: with the leadership there comes accountability and improvement yeah we need to see some accountability I think Bonner's trying to take accountability um, you know, he had some good leadership moments with you know going on the radio and talking about what was a catastrophic loss We need to see some leadership from other places accountability. Again, there's things I'm worried about with things that have been said. I worry about players actually taking accountability. But hopefully they're doing that on the practice field and in the locker room and are committed to improving rather than coasting and just talking about how good they were last season.
2: Yes. Uh, 9315, Aggies sound like the Jazz last year with what you're saying.
3: Yeah, that kind of is. They, ref- they refused to adjust. Quinn Snyder never adjusted. They doubled down on what was not a good formula. And they made some mistakes. It wasn't completely their fault. Bad luck. but Tried hard
2: individually, but not together collectively.
3: Yeah, there's just a lot of things with the Jazz.
2: <laughs> Speaking of, there's some news regarding them and also the NFL Week 2 underway. We'll get into that next hour. Stick around.
4: I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Professional sports leagues are no strangers to controversy surrounding their owners. The Mavs were investigated for sexual harassment in the workplace in 2018. Donald Sterling was forced to sell the Clippers after using racial slurs in 2014. Daniel Snyder has a long list of issues, and yesterday the NBA handed down a $10 million fine in a one-year ban to the Suns owner, Robert Sarver, after accusations of racism and misogyny were found to be true. The NBA decision to suspend suspended makes sense. No place in sports for that type of conduct, but when you look at the history of professional sports, you have to wonder how much of this will change. The NBA and NFL have suspended owners for years, but this issue still continues to be a problem. So although the punishment may do a lot for the NBA's public image, until professional sports make it absolutely and abundantly clear this type of behavior is unacceptable, this issue may unfortunately only continue in the world of sports. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the noise.